0: Morning. Good morning. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Chris, the lead pastor. For those of you who are new, and if you are new or watching online for the first time, we welcome you in the name of our Lord Jesus. If you're a regular attender or a member of New Life, this message is going to be one of the most important ones I've preached in a really long time. If you've been coming, you know that we just finished a 20-week series. It started on Easter, ended last weekend called Mountain Monologues. It was about the Sermon on the Mount. So now we have all the information we need to live as Jesus' disciples. Information. We also have Jesus who lived a perfect life, died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, rose from the dead, went back to heaven, and sent the Holy Spirit to all those who believe in him as Lord and Savior. So we have the power to live those transformed lives. Today, we start a whole year focusing on what it means to experience God unreserved. Every spring, the pastors of the church Sit down together, we pray, and we consider what next steps do we need to take in the year ahead to move us forward in our walk with Jesus Christ. And we also understand that every single week here at New Life, we have new people every single week. So we have the joyous challenge of people who have been with us for 18 years and wanting to help them to grow deeper in their faith, as well as new people who need to hear the salvation message of Jesus Christ. And we take that challenge and opportunity with joy. So with that in mind, our focus over the next 52 weekends, starting now and all the way through August of next year, we are going to focus on experiencing God unreserved. What does that mean? It means experiencing God all in. It means seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It means something very vital. It means this, God believes in you. Now, that's actually our take-home point for today, and if you're here for the first time or watching online for the first time, the take-home point is the one point that we make from, uh, in a message. It comes from Scripture. We glean it from Scripture, and the goal is that we will use it in the week ahead, pray it through, and live it out in the power of the Spirit. So let's look at it one more time. God believes in you. Now, you might think I would be trying to get you to believe in God. After all, there's a lot of people these days who don't believe in God and actually some pretty famous Christian leaders have told us over the past month or so that they're deconverting or deconstructing, leaving the faith. Well, that's not a new thing. Almost 2,000 years ago when the Apostle Paul was writing his second letter to, the, uh, to Timothy, his son in the faith, he wrote these words. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Following Jesus is hard. And it's always been hard. That's why we say so often here at New Life that the Christian life is simple, but it isn't easy. So a couple weeks ago during my morning prayer walk, I asked God a very simple question. I said, God, why did you let me be the founding pastor of New Life? Why did you let me be the founding pastor of New Life? And immediately he gave me an answer. He said, because you're a man after my own heart. Now, if you know the Bible at all, you probably know there was a guy named King David, the greatest king in all of Israel's history, and we're told that David was a man after God's own heart. So for me to hear God say that about me is either incredibly arrogant or else God really believes in me. And so what I did when I heard God say that is what I always do when I think I heard God say something. I went to the Bible, I went to the scriptures to see why would he say that? And so as I thought about it, it became really clear to me. You see, David was a radically imperfect person, radically imperfect. He committed adultery. He committed murder to cover up the adultery. When he was king and had become firmly entrenched as king, he took a census of the people. Now, that might not sound like a bad thing to you because, you know, they take a census here in America every 10 years. But the reason David took the census was not so he could know how many people he had, but how many soldiers he had so that he could you know, know if his nation was strong enough to go against all the other nations. And before, he'd already re- always relied on God and his strength, but now he's relying on his own effort. So none of those are the reason why David was called a man after God's own heart. David was called a man after God's own heart because David believed in God, and he believed God believed in him. When David was just a shepherd boy, he believed in God. And when a a lion or a bear would attack the flock of sheep that he was watching over, David believed that God would use him to protect the flock, and he did. In fact, David would later say that he would tear a bear or a lion apart with his bare hands. Pretty incredible. I think that's definitely evidence that God was with him. But when David was a a little bit older, he went to the front lines of a military battle, and, and there was a giant standing out in front of the Israelite army, and the giant was a Philistine. And his name was Goliath. You've probably heard about David and Goliath. Well, anyway, everybody was so afraid of Goliath that not one of them would go up against him. But David looked out and all he saw was a a person that didn't believe in God. In fact, what David said was, I'm going to come against you in the name of the God of Israel. David saw a target so big that nobody could miss. And so David took a smooth stone, put it in his sling, and he slung it at Goliath and hit him right between the eyes. It knocked Goliath unconscious. And then David went over and took Goliath's sword and he chopped off his head. And he became the victor in the battle. And actually after that, the Israelite army routed the Philistine army. So David was a man after God's own heart because he knew that God gave him many things and that God would forgive him. When David would do something wrong, he turned to the only one who could make it right, to God. So David believed in God's power to give and forgive. David never saw himself as a great man. David saw himself as an ordinary man who was serving a great God, a God who was gracious and forgiving. Now, here's another reason why David was a man after God's own heart. In fact, this is the essence of what it means to have a heart after God's own heart. David believed in people. How do I know that? Well, after David defeated Goliath, the people's hearts turned toward David. In fact, King Saul heard songs sung by the people of Israel and the songs went like this. I'm not gonna sing, I'm just gonna say the words, okay? No. Da- Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his 10,000s. So King Saul was jealous of David's popularity and David, or Saul was afraid that David would try to overthrow him. So that was never in David's heart, but Saul was very... <laughs> I guess paranoid is the right word. And so he kicked David out. He exiled David. And in that state of exile, some people, men, started coming to David. They were troublemakers. They were outcasts. They were misfits. They were broken people. And David, out of those people, assembled an army. And that army grew to 300 people. And 30 of them were known as David's mighty men. And those mighty men killed giants. And one of those men could kill 100 or 1,000 enemy soldiers. Now, how in the world did that group of outcast, broken-down misfits become that elite fighting force? Well, it's very simple. David believed in them. The reason I got to be the founding and lead pastor of New Life is because I believe in God, I believe that He believes in me, and I believe in each and every one of you. I've said many times that my job as your pastor is to make the day you face Jesus the best day of your eternity you all are the heroes of new life. Actually, Jesus is the hero of new life. But my job, my role, the pastor's role here, the staff's role here is to help you to believe what God already believes about you. Our job is to help you to understand who you were created to be. God created you to be his son or his daughter. The world, the devil, they're going to do everything they can to keep you from believing that. They'll even try to kill you to keep you from believing that God believes in you and that you can live a life experiencing God unreserved. And Jesus said it this way. He said, the thief, that is the devil, comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. I have come to give you life in all its abundance. That's what we're going to talk about for the next 52 weeks. We're going to talk about this abundant life, this life that's living and experiencing God all in. And today we're going to turn to some simple words of Jesus that tell us about that. Now, we've been looking at a lot of words of Jesus over the summer, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, and in that Sermon on the Mount, he talks about living unreserved or living all in, but today's words come from the last week of Jesus' life on earth. And in that last week, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, religious leaders of Israel, they started stepping up their verbal attacks on Jesus. And it's from one of those verbal attacks that we're going to hear Jesus' words today. Before we turn there, which is in Matthew chapter 22, let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for your goodness and love. We thank you that you believe in us, that you believe in us so much that you sent Jesus. And thank you today, God, that your spirit is with us, in us, And we pray for your Holy Spirit to open our minds and our hearts to understand your word and not just understand, but to live them out unreserved. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, you want to turn to Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 34. It's also going to be up on the screen. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. The way that we show we believe in God... Is we love him all in, and we love others all in too. So if you have any experience at all in church, you've heard these words before, you know that we call them the Great Commandment because that's what Jesus called them. But as we read them, what you might not have seen is how God believes in us. You might have just thought, well, what what it says is we're supposed to love God and we're supposed to love people. But where's the God believing in us? Well, it's it's in there because the God who loves us first is just simply asking that we return the love that he put inside of us first. And, and really, the best way that we can tell that God believes in us is that when we rejected him, when we turned away from him, which is called sin, he didn't give up on us. What he did was he ultimately sent his son, his only son, Jesus, to come and die in our place to redeem us. That's a word we don't use very much in, in our culture these days, redeem. But the word redeem literally means to set free, in this case, God set us free from sin and death through Jesus' death on the cross. Most of us, when we hear those words, nod our heads and say, Oh, yeah, I agree with that. But do we really? Do we really believe that God believes in us? And do we really live our lives in such a way that we demonstrate that we believe in God and that He believes in us? I recently realized something about New Life. It happened back in April. But we became an adult as a congregation. We're 18 years old. 18 years old is the age of majority, right? The age that we become an adult. And so when we become adults, what we're supposed to do is be more mature. We're supposed to live our lives in a way with attitudes and actions that reflect that maturity. Some of you I know are new believers and some of you are here for the first time. And I know a lot of you have only been here for a few months or a few years. But there are some in our midst who have been here for more than a decade and some of you have actually been here all 18 years. And so I'm talking to you all that have been here all that time. We ought to be more mature and our lives ought to be representing Jesus with more love and obedience than ever before. So as I was thinking about this message, praying about this message, God convicted me of something. We're talking all year long about experiencing God unreserved. And I realized I've experienced God unreserved for minutes, for hours. But I very seldom experience God unreserved for even a whole day, let alone a week, a month, or a year. But what we're talking about here is the opportunity to take next steps wherever we, we are in our relationship with Jesus today, taking next steps which will cause us to be closer and closer and closer to him in the year ahead. And what, how's that going to happen? It's going to happen as we love God, As we love our neighbors, as we believe in them, but it's going to start with our believing that God believes in us. It always starts there because until we believe that God believes in us, nothing else changes. I got to be the founding and lead pastor of New Life because I took the first step. I walked out of one door in obedience to Jesus and he opened up another door in the unlikeliest of places, Ivywood, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. And a small band of us got together, and we have grown to become this amazing church known as New Life Christian Ministries. So in the year ahead, we will walk a path of experiencing God unreserved. And if we do walk that path, what we will find is we will love God more than we have ever loved Him before. We will love our neighbors, not only each other, but the people in our community, in our region, our nation, and our world more than we ever imagined. And we will experience God believing in us in ways that we never dreamed were possible. So let's look at, just briefly, where we're going in the year ahead. In the next four weeks, starting next weekend, we're going to talk about um, experiencing growth. If you've been here for three years or more, you'll be familiar with this series because we called it in those days the four stages of spiritual growth or the spiritual growth continuum. And the spiritual growth continuum is the path that we walk from explorers to believers to disciples to spirit-led followers of Jesus. And we're going to if we're going to walk, you know, in the next year experiencing God all in, we need to know where we are today. Am I an explorer? Am I a believer? Am I a disciple? Am I spirit-led? And if you've been here for 3 years or more, I hope that wherever you were 3 years ago, you've at least taken a few steps in this direction over those years that you've been more mature. Starting on the weekend of October 12th and 13th, a series I'm really enthusiastic and excited about is called Experiencing God. We're going to talk about seven realities of experiencing God in our lives from a book of the same name, Experiencing God, written by Henry Blackaby. And then we're going to invest the Christmas series, Experiencing Christmas, oddly enough. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at some iconic images of Christmas from our culture, such as Christmas lights and Christmas trees. And we're going to use those images to anchor in our minds and in our hearts, in our lives, what it means to experience God. And then after the new year, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some specific aspects of experiencing God. Prayer, generosity, and the Holy Spirit. And, and we're going to look more and more at what it means to live out experiencing God unreserved in a very practical day-to-day way. And that's going to take us from January through March. Then on Easter weekend, what we're going to do as a church family is we're going to look at the core values of new life. We're going to look at seven weeks of the core values of new life, and how they help us to experience God unreserved. Now, I realize something. Jesus could come back this afternoon, in which case we're not going to do any of those messages. But if Jesus doesn't come back before now and next Easter, don't you want to know and experience God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a a deeper way than you ever have before? Anybody? Amen on that? All right. All right. Half of you. That's good. It was a third at the first service. Okay, it's getting more and more. All right. I'm glad for that. If you're an explorer here, an explorer means that you haven't yet trusted Jesus, your Savior and Lord, this coming year is going to be the best opportunity ever for you to become a believer and maybe even move to being a disciple or start into that spirit-led follower of Jesus category. But wherever we are on the spiritual growth continuum, we're going to have opportunities to take next steps every week, and I pray that we'll be taking them every day. As we mature individually... And as a church family, then we ought to grow deeper, both individually and in our life together. So as we move through the fall, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about... How we're going to move forward as a church, as a whole, you know. Americans are very individualistic, but here at New Life, we're a church family, and we have a purpose and a mission, and our mission has always been sharing, growing, and living the new life of Jesus Christ with the world, one person at a time. When you're 18 years old, what does that mean? It means you ought to be going outside of your back door, you know, when it comes to sharing, growing, and living the new life of Jesus Christ. So we'll see more mission trips taking place locally, regionally, nationally, and to the ends of the earth. It means that we'll grow by joining into small groups and you're going to have that opportunity obviously after worship today if you haven't already availed yourself of it and more people are going to be in small groups than ever. It means many of you have been participating in a three-year financial campaign called the Yes Initiative. That three-year campaign was used to get the galaxy built. And so in many churches, actually most churches, what would happen is starting in November, we'd start another three-year cycle, another three-year campaign to retire the debt. Now, of course, we do need to retire the debt on the building. But what we're going to do is something different. We're not going to do the campaign thing because the campaigns are good to help the people that are already motivated and sort of in the core to get excited and to give extra. But what we're going to do is what adults do. We're going to put the mortgage payment in the family budget, in the sharing fund, and then we're going to count on the generosity of all of us to get that paid off as soon as possible so we can use that money that goes to that now to more important things in the kingdom of God and in ministering together. Specific details are going to come up about all of these things in the weeks and months ahead. We're also going to talk about the long-range plan for new life and how we're going to you know, reach more deeply into this community, into our region, nation, and world with the gospel. We're not going in a new direction. All we're doing is going in the same direction with more passion and with more maturity than we've ever done before because we believe that God believes in us. So we're going to close the message with a very personal illustration of why I got to be the lead pastor because I believe in people. Back in 2007, New Life needed a very unusual combination of skills. We need a person who could be a youth pastor and a worship pastor at the same time. And so, as always, you know, I always believe when we need somebody, God's going to supply somebody. So we interviewed a lot of people and we narrowed it down to two finalists and then we realized something. Neither of the two finalists were the right person. And so we brought the two finalists together, you know, one at a time and face to face, we said to them, sorry, but you're not the right person. Now, that's a hard thing to do, face-to-face, say you're not the right person. But one of them did something very surprising. He, he, he wasn't upset at all. He said, you need to interview Brad French. We said, Okay. So we called Brad French, and we lined up the interview. And so on the day of the interview, uh, everybody was gathered at my house, the, the new house Nancy and I had just built on Lazerville Road. And so when Brad came, he rang the doorbell. I went over. I looked out the sidelight. And this is the thing. Whenever I see the person, I always know who the person is, like right away. And, and you know, they say in business, you're supposed to hire slowly and fire quickly. That's why I'm the pastor of New Life instead of the president of a business, because I've always hired quickly, fired slowly, okay? But anyway, so I look out the window, and I go, nope, that's not the guy. So then we bring Brad in, and he sits down around the dining room table with the, with the team, and uh, as we're interviewing, 10 minutes into the interview, the two teenagers who are on the team uh, interviewing, they have tears streaming out on their face because they're laughing so hard. And I said, yep, he's the guy. So I went to the elders board. I said, we have the guy. We interviewed them. The elders board interviewed him. We hired Brad. And so 12 years ago, Brad came on to staff. And in those last 12 years, what has happened is I have invested my life. I have believed in Brad. In fact, about six months or a year after they came, uh, Brad and Sam needed a place to stay. And Nancy and I opened our home for Brad and Sam to live with us for two years. And they lived in our basement, and Brad's desk was about 20 feet from my desk in the basement. And we, you know, we'd share information together, laugh together. Sometimes we'd cry together. We shared our lives together. And those of you who have been here for the past 12 years have seen Brad develop from a really young man of God with a lot of you know, undeveloped skills and talents, become a great preacher, a great leader, and a great worship and creative arts pastor. He's also a great husband and dad. God believed in Brad. I believed in Brad. Many of you have believed in Brad. And now here comes the hard part. God has shown Brad and Sam that they're to become uh, church planters or the pastor of a church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. That's what happens when someone believes that God believes in them. And this is the most important thing I think I can say today. You might want to write this down even if you don't take the notes home with you. They become what God created them to become. And they do what God calls them to do. So typically, an announcement like this would mean that Brad and Sam and the, the children would be packing up and leaving in a couple of weeks or a month. You know, three weeks ago, we commissioned the, the Muslow family to go off and serve a church in Butler. Two weeks ago, we commissioned Josh and Amanda Bataglia to go to New Mexico to serve in a church in a school there. But we're not going to be commissioning Brad and Sam until May 31st of 2020. Nine months from now. So new life has really never done things the way everybody else does them. And, uh, but we have always known from day one that when you believe in God and you believe in people and you equip them to be everything that God created them to be and, 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 and called them to do, then what's going to happen is they're going to do that. They're going to become what God created them to be and they're going to do what God called them to do. Now that's true of every person in this room and every person watching online. And some of you are going to become what God created you to become and do what God called you to do right here in Saxonburg for the rest of your life. You're going to be part of new life for the rest of your life. But some of you are going to be part of new life just for a season. It might be a short season or a long season, and then you're going to move on to somewhere else. And when you do that, it's going to be sad. It's going to be really sad on May thirty first, 2020. But there's something far sadder than that. I want you to see it on the screen. Never to believe in the God who believes in you. Never to become what he created you to become. And never to do what he called you to do. The Lord willing, Brad, Sam, and their family are going to worship with us and serve with us for the next nine months. And they don't even know exactly what God's calling them to. They know that they're probably going to be planting a church or taking over a church that's in existence in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Here's what they know. They know that God's calling them to go to Colorado Springs. And that if you're going to live with God uh, unreserved and experience God unreserved, then you have to do what He calls you to do. You have to become what He created you to, to become. Now, there are a lot of ways to respond to this kind of news. The typical way human beings respond to the unknown, to having somebody we really care about go out of our lives, is with fear. What's going to happen next? Or with anger. Sometimes... And this is the best choice. We continue to love and encourage them. And that's what Nancy and I are gonna do. We're gonna continue to love and encourage Brad and Sam and their kids. We're gonna continue to invest in their lives. We're gonna continue to believe in them. And I pray that all of us will do the very same thing. And I've known about Brad's official decision for three weeks. I've I've known that he gave me a letter of resignation saying, you know, I'm gonna leave and this is what's gonna happen and it's gonna be May 31st, 2020, if it's okay with you all. And I've known for months that that was the inclination, that that's the direction God is leading. Many of you have only known for minutes. And here's what I need to tell you. I'm just as good with their decision today and just as bad with it as I was months ago when I found out. Because selfishly, I don't want them to leave. I don't want Brad and Sam and the kids ever to leave New Life. I want them to be part of New Life forever. But here's the thing. Selfishly, that's what I would want. But we don't get to be... uh-huh. If we believe in God and we believe that God believes in people and we believe in people, we don't get to be selfish for very long. We get to love God with all of our hearts, souls, minds, and our neighbors as ourselves. And when we do that, we get to experience God unreserved. And here's the thing about that. When we do that, our love for God grows, our love for people grows, and then the hurt when people leave is bigger. It's the way it works. It's... It's always been that way. It's always going to be that way. But our other choice is to be, huh, you know, in the AA terms, we can do half efforts. What Half, what's the word? Measures. Half measures have availed me nothing. We can live our lives with half measures. But that's not the way New Life does things. It's not the way we're going to do it here. So here's the next step. The next step for us today is I will go all in with God this week. I will go all in with God this week. Now, I don't know what that's going to mean for you. It's going to mean hundreds of different things because we're all different. But here's the good news. The good news is this. God believes in you. God believes in me. God believes in us. And so whatever this week brings about, whatever happens this week, what we know for sure is this. God is for us. God is with us. God believes in us. And God is going to do amazing things through us that we have never, never imagined that he would do. And I believe that with all of my heart. And here's the thing. Early on in the message when I said God told me that I was a man after his heart, do you realize that every single one of us in the room, man, woman, and child, can be a man, woman, or child after God's own heart? Every one of us can be. And all it takes, all it takes (laughs) is believing in God, believing that he believes in us, and believing in others. And that's the way we always live here at New Life, or when we don't, we do what David did. We repent. We turn back and say, I messed up, and you're the only one that can fix this. So whether we move forward or whether we move backwards, God is for us, and he believes in us. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are, the God of the universe, the God of all glory, the God who created us and believes in us. And today, God, we pray that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit so that whatever it is that it means for us to go all in this week, that we will say yes. That we won't live with half measures this week, but we will live all in for you, not just for minutes, not just for hours, but every day. God, we praise you for your work among us and we pray that you will continue to show yourself to us in so many ways, to speak to us and to let us live as men, women, and children after your heart, to your glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.